the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Let's start off thinking positively. Great leaders are not defined by the absence of weakness, but rather by the presence of clear and defined strengths. Become the kind of leader that people would follow voluntarily, even if you had no title or or a position. Great leaders are almost always great simplifiers. And the supreme quality of leadership is integrity. By the way, innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower most times. That's what I've always felt. Anyway, uh, so here we are. It's, uh, you know, a week before the Fed's Fed meets. And, uh, you know, we, we, we've come upon another scenario that, uh, well, I'm going to go into that in a minute. But, you know, I, I looked at, uh, Lori Calvacina did a, a study of what's going on within the indexes. And, with 17% of the S&P 500 results in and 5% of the Russell, uh, when, well, what jumped out to us was several things. Number one, the percent of companies beating earnings per share is up in both indices. However, the revenue beats have continued to slip. All right. And, you know, you got to have earnings and revenue. All right. That's important. The Russell 1000 companies beating consensus earnings forecasts are outperforming the broader market a bit more than usual right now. So the Russell misses are performing pretty much in line with historical trends. All right. The Russell 1000 and 2000 companies with purely domestic exposure are starting to see their earnings revisions trends improve. Improve now. How about that? And within the S&P 500, the consumer discretionary and staples have joined industrials in slightly positive revisions to their uh, uh, earnings per share. Uh, Tech has slipped a little bit, by the way. Uh, Within the Russell 2000, financials rate of positive earnings uh, estimate revisions has returned to the pandemic lows. (laughs) So they're not in great shape. So what we've also seen is a balanced tone to company commentary so far. So nobody's saying, hey, it's the end of the world or anything like that. Uh, they may not be jumping up and down right at the moment, but they're not, uh, they're not uh, you know, jumping off a cliff or anything like that. So that's a positive. Now, uh, I, I think that's what's important here is we've got to remember to tell you about, hey, if, uh, we're going to talk about several things here today on the show. And most of those will be uh, involved with like our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, our wealth plan. Trust me, without a plan, you, 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 you don't know where to go, okay? 
And in periods like this, this is when you need a plan. So you can take a look at, you know, one of the things I like about our plan is it's interactive. So we can go in and say, okay, what if we did this? What if this happens? What if this happens? Will we still, you know, will we still make our, our retirement goals? And that's important. And also, family inventory workbook. Putting all your stuff in one spot is a pretty good idea. You know, so uh, something happens to you, uh, you know, it, it's it's all there, you know, for for your, your loved ones. So I'll leave it at that. So go to WHK1420. Go down to Local Podcast. There's a banner on the top, Local Podcast, down to the Smart Investor Show. And it takes you right to my webpage. So if you want to sit down and go over a, a wealth plan, remember, we're, we're allowing our prospective to do wealth plans without becoming a client. And you can you can get a feel for what we're, we're talking about. And uh, um, so some people said, oh, I'm going to make it. Well, maybe not. <laughs> you know, that what you're looking at is a static plan. You know, the, the real life is different. Okay, so you, you got to remember that. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll take it from there. Now, look, thirty-five uh, percent of the S and P five hundred reported last week, and key housing, consumer inflation data hit, and and I expected kind of an upward bias in this grind that we're going through. I think leading uh, food and shelter indicators point to disinflation right now, but I, I you know, I think uh, you know one of the things that uh, really kind of uh, you know, uh, well. What's the best way to put this? Uh, well, I, I just think that there's uh, there's no consensus yet that that you know I, I mentioned the last week of September that I thought we were at a low. Of course, that Wednesday, <laughs> or maybe it was maybe about ten days later, we had a big swooping down day, and then the next day we we gapped up. Okay, so. I think that was the bear market low, but there's a bear market bottom after the worst recession is usually underway, and and equities do not bottom in, until some kind of panic takes place. I thought the panic uh, occurred earlier, but so I think you know there's no consensus that that was the low. So I, I think a bottom in earnings would be necessary, or a Fed intervenes or cuts rates. Uh, a policymaker's panic, a public panic like the VIX surges. Remember, I told you the VIX broke 17 for the first time in a long time, or fell down, broke 19, fell down to 17. And stocks fall sufficiently, uh, you know, or some variation of all of the above. Now, I think there's been many bear markets since 1900, and they fall roughly into four categories. There's a business cycle, bear, that's like 2018, 19. 2015, 16, 2000, I mean, uh, 1956-57, uh, idiosyncratic, which was 2020 and 1987-1962, a speculative bubble, which was the dot-com and the Great Depression, an inflation bear market, which was 80-82, 74-76, and 69-72. We see the last chord category as the best analog for 2023, and uh, you know, I looked at I looked at all these things and said to myself, "Okay, where do we go from here?" And and I think that's the important part. So we're in this bunker mode, if you will, in, in front of the May FMOC meeting. And unemployment claims came in uh, over 200k. 
earners are seeing a far softer wage growth uh, in April 2020. And so we're in this situation where the equity market's stalling. We're going sideways. You know, there's no, nothing really out there that's uh, to pound the table on. Although we're seeing times like, you know, uh, our biotech analysts, and I keep talking about healthcare has gained a lot of spots lately uh, on a relative strength basis. You know, he had Legion Bart Bio. You know, their CAR-T product showed much better response rates, up 20 bucks in two days. Uh, Morphic was up 16 bucks. another one of his picks. So a lot of these names are, 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 rockets, are rockets right now. And remember, biotech's been in a bear market since Hillary's famous quote back in 2015, I hate drug pricing. So, look, we came under some selling pressure last Tuesday, a week ago Tuesday, falling 1.6%. Uh, down to some lows we haven't seen since early April, and then we, you know, we moved back, and uh, the VIX uh, got down to seventeen, got down to sixteen point nine, and then was up eleven percent to eighteen point seven percent, and bond bond volatility moved plus nine. So, you know, we're we're seeing a lot of stuff that makes me believe that there, you know there's one or two cases coming up here by the Fed. It's either a hawkish hike, you know, by contrast, the Fed would be seeing sufficient economic resilience that they would conduct monetary policy and, you know, hire for hire for longer, okay? And the other one, hey, First Republic is the third bank that is in, in trouble, including Credit Suisse, which does a lot of business in the U.S. Maybe it's time to pause. So there there are some people in the Fed that are talking about pausing. Okay, so uh, you know, don't run off a cliff here. Is what I'm trying to tell you. But throughout this, we are not at a new low. Okay, we have not hit a new low. So you know, I just think you got to remember that we're in this bunker mode, and uh, you know, that's that's way things go sometimes. Okay, so. We're going to grind for a while until the Fed says something, all right? But we do have softening labor markets, all right? Weekly claims are at a 15-month high, and that suggests that it'll be a dovish hike into May. Uh, and I think that's pretty important, all right? So you know, I'll just keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, you know, this look, I, I think... You know, the recent banking turmoil in the U.S. commercial real estate market has become a hot topic among a lot of market participants and has become – look, the CRE or the commercial real estate market relies heavily on small and mid-sized banks for financing, which just happen to be the most stressed financial institutions right now. So I think structural and cyclical issues are darkening the, the CRE's prospects. Uh, and office real estate is suffering from high vacancy rates anyway. So, uh, you know, I think the Fed's going to walk a narrow path here. And I don't think they want to get crazy. All right. Now, I'm going to change subjects here. Uh, one of the things I'd like to talk about is water use has been growing globally at more than twice the rate of population increase in the last century. And an increasing number of regions are reaching the limit at which water services can be sustainably uh, delivered, okay, especially in arid regions. For example, 
in Australia's Darling River. Millions of fish have died in recent months, and it's intensified agriculture and overuse of the Murray, uh, 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 Murray Darling Basin. Um, you had some recent flooding, a heat wave, and it's caused a nauseating disaster that endangers the drinking water for communities up and down the river. Right? In western France, there's been lots of protests that have broken out over the government's decision to build hundreds of mega-reservoirs and fill them with water pumped from the region's groundwater. Supplies to sustain the country's grain farmers and winemakers, which is, you know, the two big things. So we've had decades of mismanagement in India uh, that have left the country in danger of depleting its pressure water, uh, precious water and irreplaceable ground resources. Almost 80% of Uruguay is afflicted by extreme drought right now. The United Nations Water Development Report predicts that as many as 6 billion people will suffer from clean water scarcity by 2050. So there's an investment theme out there. And that supply is not going away or is going away. And current technology isn't there to increase it. But demand does, however, increase. The world population has grown steadily over the past century since the uh, invention of antibiotics. And in fact, has it's topped $8 billion, 8 billion people in, 20, in November of 2022. In just 12 years, it'll pass the $7 billion mark. In just 12 years, it passed the $7 billion mark. So uh, look, there's a lot of names out there. It takes 2,600 gallons of water to produce a single pair of jeans. Each car requires 40,000 gallons of water to manufacture, not counting components. Semiconductor industry that makes chips that go into pretty much everything. 18.5 gallons of water a year just by Taiwan Semiconductor. Meanwhile, climate change has altered the weather patterns in such areas. And, you know, uh, look, I'm not saying, you know, we're, we're, climate change is bad. We've had it for hundreds of years. The Sahara Desert at one time was, was one of the most fruitful plains in the world. Now it's a desert. All right. That just happens. But there is an investment. There's lots of investment vehicles here. And I know of, uh, well, I mean, five or six stocks that could potentially make a fortune by doing this. I also think, you know, look, somebody, somebody just emailed me and said, you know, Tim, what are you talking about? The drought in California since 2020 or since 2000. You know, we've had severe droughts 2014 to 2017, uh, 2020, 2022, more severe droughts. So there's an investment thesis here. And I look, I, I don't want to make do of, you know, making money on people that are having problems. But you also got to think ahead. Got It's a chess match out there. So there's four or five companies out there that I think could make a lot of money going forward. So I'll just re recommend that. Now, this is part of that barbell strategy that I keep talking about. You know, you want defense, secular growth, and, and value. So defense, you know, that's why I use Marshfield. They're a good blocker and tackler. I use my dividend growth and prime income list right there. Short-term CDs that we talked about last year. That's a, a, our bar. On one side, I have growth. On the other side, I have value. I think this water thing is on the value. So uh, it, it, there's some real high-quality names out there that look really good. But let's, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show.
I've been talking about Summer House. Summer House is a very special place. It's so warm and welcoming. And it's got that vibe that's like South Beach and a touch of Malibu. Do you remember the Blue Fox or the theatrical Swingos? That's the heritage of the Summer House. Yes, it's got great and interesting food. What a great staff they have. And then there's the spectacular views of downtown and the lakefront. Mikey's Trees. Well, you have to come to the Summer House just to see Mikey's Trees. That's all I'm going to tell you about it. The Summer House is the real deal. I'm going to tell you, kind of between you and me, all the profits from the Summer House go to charity. All the profits from the Summer House go to charity, including Awakening Angels and several others. Call them up, 216 270-2300. Dr. Sebastian Gorka wants action. We have to win in 2024. President Trump needs to be in the White House and we need to clear out the DOJ. It is the most corrupt agency in U.S. government and that's saying something. But in the meantime, we need all of these people subpoenaed. Blinken, Kirby, who is a disgrace. Coma, Jordan, we have high expectations of you, my friend. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before Jay Sekulow at 6 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. Um, You just tuned in. This is the Smart Investor Show. And, you know, I I don't know if you saw it, but Peter Lynch, uh, who I think is one of the best portfolio managers of all time, he ran the Fidelity Magellan Fund uh, for 20 years and did a great job of it. He was a phenomenal stock picker. And what he did was he lined up a lot of the high-quality stocks with a lot of smaller names that he knew. And uh, if a name went down, he kept buying it, okay? Uh, And I, I thought it was interesting. He said, you know, last week we talked about you know, Warren Buffett and how in October of 2018, when blood was in the street, he penned the New York Times uh, column, Buy America, I Am. And the Oracle of Omaha, you know, I don't agree with his politics, but he made another career finding move that that time. And now uh, one of the things that Peter Lynch said is that my good friend Warren Buffett spent $4 billion in the last three weeks. So here are two of the greatest stock pickers of all time. They're buying stocks right now. They're buying stocks right now. I want you to think about that. Two of the greatest stock pickers of all time are buying stocks right now, while most of us are sitting on our hands. You know, I noticed Marshfield bought a couple stocks two weeks ago. Hmm. Marshfield is, you know, they buy great companies when they're down and out, down and out. All right. So, look. Warren Buffett, by the age 30, had amassed a net worth of a million dollars, $9.3 million adjusted for inflation. May 6th, he'll, he'll literally have tens of thousands of people coming to the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. 
and he's 92 and his partner, Charlie Munger's 99. God, God, I hope they live to 105, 110, 120, you know, whatever. But the question is, you know, and one of the reasons we have the bullish percent that we talk about is we want you, we're trying to get you to buy when things are down, when your stomach's churning, when you can't, you know, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. That's the best time to buy. And I'm telling you, I bet you, if I'm correct, I was, I, I've, get Stocks and Commodities magazine, which I'm sure all you devour right as it comes into your door, right along with the, the Sports Illustrated, uh, uh, you know, issue that you get on a monthly basis. But a guy named Greg Hirsch, his father, Yale, started the Stock Traders Almanac. And, and about four years ago, he put an article in, the, in that magazine. And you know what? He's 100% correct. And he said, after the major sell-off that we have now, which is, he anticipated, we're going to go straight to 100,000 on the Dow and 15,000 on the S&P 500. And he said it would start latter part of 2023, 2024. Yet more people are bearish right now than at any time in history. So Warren Buffett always said, I'm a better investor because I'm a business person. I know there's plenty of you business persons out there that probably are thinking the same way as I am. Might be a time to buy some stuff, okay? Anyway, uh, so Peter Lynch bought six stocks last week, he said. That's, uh, I wrote it down. Now, what would I be buying? Well, first of all, I keep talking about this silver tsunami, all right? These guys are out there buying dividends, right? Look, dividend estimates, we're only looking for a 5% increase in 2023. Who knows what's going to happen in 2024, but interest rate trends impact value versus growth performance. And the relative PE ratio of the dividend aristocrats is still below average. Not by much, but it's something to pay attention to. Okay. All right. Now, uh, I'm going to talk about a couple things. I, I'm seeing some things that, uh, um, uh, that I think are interesting, and, and I keep to, uh, going back to this S and P 500. We look at the the, the S and P 500 on a monthly chart, and if we draw trend lines going back to 2009. We've had two uh, what we call undercuts. One was in 2020, one was in 2009. But we've held that bottom trend line. We've not hit a new low. Okay, so is that October 12th date a bottom? So far, it is. And, you know, believe me, I'll be the first one to tell you I'm wrong on this show going forward. But you just got to remember that. Seasonality, remember, April's a pretty good month. May, not so good a month. So uh, May's coming up, and we have a Fed meeting. But the quadrant balance momentum oscillator that Rob Schleimer uses was oversold and has turned up. That means more stocks are, are breaking out and doing better. And usually it's stocks breaking above certain moving averages, okay? So we're seeing some good stuff out there. Also, if you look, if we were to break 4,200 sometime in the near future, uh, we have a hard time getting through there. We got the uh, 41,599 uh, uh, a couple times. I think we're in good shape, and I just think you need 3,700, you know, somewhere around there as, you know, that's when – we break down there, we got a problem on our hands. Okay. So, but I do think, uh, look, the Russell's getting killed and you got to understand how ETFs work. 
when you buy an ETF and you sell it, they got to sell everything in the ETF. They got like 15, 20 minutes to do it. Okay. Now, the Russell 2000 is 38% regional banks. So if you had anything in the that it is in that Russell 2000, it got creamed because they had to sell them all. They just don't sell the regional banks when you sell them. They sell it all. Okay. So when you know the KRE, which got killed, was down like 20% in, in a two-week period, affects the Russell 2002. So there's a lot of stocks in there that had nothing to do with the regional banks that got whacked. That's probably a pretty good place to be looking, I would think, for, for good ideas. So what I would suggest is, you know, our all cap ideas. Okay. You know, we're looking for all of our best ideas and they're all cap. They're small cap, mid cap, large cap. And and if you look uh, and, and I look at value versus growth, the small caps and the mid caps are starting to outperform on the growth side. Okay. So keep that in the back of your head. Now, I also noticed that some of our European buddies, now we talked about this back in January, I've been outperforming. Uh, now, China reversed down this week, so you better be careful with that. But our European guys have been doing pretty well, and the relative strength has broken the downtrend line versus the S&P 500. So Europe, you know, you want to take a look, uh, you know, and if you, I look at the emerging markets, the EEM weekly, its relative strength broke down, broke out and then headed back south again. So we got to watch that one. But uh, uh, But Europe... The relative strength is broken out uh, versus the S&P 500. Now, the other thing is, you know, the, the, the two-year bond yield was at 5% three weeks ago. It's at 39 right now. The Fed funds rate is at 5%. So you're going to buy 5% CDs. You really got to stay in the, you know, the three- to six-month area because that's the only place that they're available now. I uh, remember I said that there would be reinvestment risk, and it seems that the, the bond market is more macro oriented. So you got to remember that these guys, there's a lot of people buying bonds. I mean, bond, bond markets like six to eight times the size of the stock market. So they're really sharpening their pencils here. And I think the bond market tends to be more right than the Fed. You know, they've predicted the Fed's move numerous times. And it looks like to me, they expect the Fed to start lowering rates pretty soon. But if you look at the 10 year yield, yield now, not the bond. The yield broke its uptrend line dating back to the bottom in 2020. So uh, now if we were to break down from here, it'd be a lower high. And I think that's something you got to pay pretty close attention to. So, you know, we made a high at 435. And then we made a lower high at 4.08. And now we're at 3.6, where we had a bottom of 3.24. So if you see that breakdown further, uh, you know, that's telling you that the curve is going to get more inverted and more inverted and more inverted, which usually means, you know, hey, we're, we got a problem. Now, the dollar made a double bottom, but it does look like it's still weakening. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens with it. Uh, but the dollar doesn't seem to be doing what uh, everybody else thinks it's going to, and that is turn. I looked at crude oil. Remember, I said it broke out and came right back to where it broke out from. So it's got a hold here. And if it doesn't, we've got a problem going forward. All right. Now, I noticed that hasn't hurt any of the majors. Remember, we talked about when we bought oil back a couple of years ago, buying oil with dividends. Those are the stocks that have outperformed the most. Uh, or No, I'm sorry. They didn't outperform the most. They held up the best. So they're outperforming the most right now. 
and some of the smaller names really did really well. Uh, so we got a hold here, and remember I, I said we saw some weakening. Uh, now, I had questions this week about gold. You know, gold came right up to the, you know, it's it's right where the old high is and then pulled back a little bit. So it's, it's not breaking through. we got to get through that 2078 uh, level, I think. And if we did that, then I'd say buy it, you know, because when you break out to a new high, you're in great shape. A lot of questions on silver. And silver's broken its downtrend line, but not broken the ultimate high. All right. So it's 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 in a broad bottoming pattern and it should support some further upside, I think, in coming months. Remember, silver is an industrial metal as well as a, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, uh, a precious metal. So now, look, I'm going to go back and I'm going to say this and you probably hear this ad nauseum for the next, uh, you know, several months. But I think we're in a generational cycle, a structural bull market. Now, you can have bear markets within a structural bull market. 1987 was a perfect example. People said, you know, this is straight down, Tim. I said, I understand. The Fed went crazy. Before the crash in, in 87, you may recall, Alan Greenspan raised the discount rate a half a point three, three months in a row. All right. So we had a bear market. Okay? It went down 25% in, in, in a day. I, I lived through it. <laughs> I remember my, my wife told me she was pregnant the weekend before. All right. So uh, think about, you know, think about, you know, you're having some kind of depression going forward. How am I going to raise this kid, right? But we're in, I think, a what they call a structural bull market, and because we've held this uh, downtrend line, now doesn't mean we can't have a bear market within it. But if it if it matches the move from the low, and I'm talking going all the way back to 2009 to to the ultimate high, the average move has been 2,300 percent. Okay, so if we just go to 2,000, you're talking about 13,005 to 14,000 on the on the uh, Dow Jones. Now, look, two things. Four-year cycle, you've got to remember about that. The four-year cycle says that things should start to turn up in 2024. And the other thing is, remember, we talked about momentum. And I said back in January that the momentum was the highest I've ever seen it. And now it, it went to the lowest I've ever seen it. And we're very close to having the four-month moving average cross over the 13-month moving average. If that were to occur, I think we'd have a, a bull market again. Remember, that's, you may go, if you've been listening to the show long enough, back in 2009, the first week of March, I said, I think we've hit a generational low. That was when the four-month moving average crossed over the 13-month moving average, and we had hit a bottom. So got to watch that one very, very closely. I think it could be, you know, that could be very, very big, but I just go back to that one chart. All right, the S&P 500 is is holding that trend line. And as long as it holds that trend line, I think we're in pretty good shape, especially the closer we come to the you know the end of the four-year cycle. So we have the 16 to 18-year cycle which we call a structural bull market or bear market. You know, we went through one from 20, 20 uh, 2000 to 2016. And now we've started the structural bull, and we're about six years into it. We probably have about another eight or nine years to go. And usually, by the way, the last part of the bull market is the most spectacular. Okay, so remember that. Uh, so we're holding that downtrend line, and I think that's very, very important, and I don't think people understand how important that is. Now, we did have people get a little bit too bullish, all right? Uh, the bulls uh, moved up, and then. It started to come back a little bit this week, so we'll see what happens. 
Uh, and the Bears creeped down. You know, they they were way over over fifty. They were forty nine. You know, to fifty four, and now they they came back to thirty, and now have rallied back up to forty. So more bears, the better. Uh, and believe me, there's a lot of people bear that are bearish there. Now, just so you know, uh, we're in a situation where uh, I think people got a little bit too bullish. So we're a little bit overbought. I think, you know, uh, right now you want to be looking for things that are down, things that get beat up. Uh, I mean, I, I had one stock that got beat up just recently that I really like, and I think is huge going forward. And I'll probably buy some more of it once it settles down a little bit. But, uh, it has been rough. I mean, they beat up the industrials that were holding up the best. Uh, as soon as the Silicon Valley Bank Group came out, you know, they they beat these things up. So what whatever's going on there, I don't know. Um, now, look, the 10-year yield broke out of a 40-year downtrend. You're not going back. You're not going back to 0.31% like we were in 2020. Okay. Hey, let's take a break and we'll be right back with the bullish percent and uh, talk a little bit about uh, what our friends at Dorsey Wright are saying. Stay tuned. The straight talking, hard work, and do it right plumbers at Wyatt Works will unclog your drain for only $93. Or it's free. What's the catch? There's never a catch with Wyatt Works. I'd rather starve than do business that way. We really will break up your clog and get your water flowing again for $93. Plus, we'll send a camera down the line so you can see exactly what you're dealing with. Most of the time, clog busting's all you need. Wallacadoodle. Back to your regularly scheduled life with a 12-month no-backup guarantee. If your drain line needs more, we'll explain all the options, including flexible payments and guaranteed estimates. And on the off chance clog busting can't get your drain flowing, our service call is free. You'll still get upfront pricing on solutions to your problem, but with no initial service fee. That's on us. Either we deliver on our promised clog busting, or it's free. So don't put up with half solutions or slow or clogged drains. Call why it works and consider it done license number 30185 you listen to this radio station for truth at a time when truth is an endangered species now we want to invite you to listen to our sister tv network salem news channel you'll find us in the app store or online at salemnewschannel.com or on roku or similar devices you'll see hugh hewitt in the morning followed by mike gallagher you'll see dennis prager followed by sebastian gorka and at five eastern time our newest star andrew wilkow with dinesh d'souza at 7 Eastern, Salem News Channel, the antidote to the mainstream media. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Uh, we're back and uh you know i was looking at some of the trends in the overall market and uh, one of the things that uh, was kind of different from last year one of the major changes here is that there's been a major deterioration in the small cap stocks and i mentioned this earlier uh they're below the three percent or the, the number three uh score uh 
on our our friends at Dorsey Wright, who provide us with a bullish percent, by the way, great folks out of Virginia. Uh, and one of the reasons is because of the banks. So if you use the Russell 2000 or any small cap index, there's a lot of banks in them. I mean, the Russell is 38% banks, all right? So when they cream the banks, they take the, the ETF sells everything, okay? That's the problem with ETFs. And people say, oh, that's, that's the way to, uh, to, to buy the indexes. Well, I'll tell you, back in 2015, the index opened up down a thousand points, and there was a lot of people stopped out and never had a chance to get back in because it recovered in a day. So you got you got what probably got a ten percent hit on your account and and take it from there. But I will say this: uh, you know the KRE, which is the ETF for for regional banks, did break a triple bottom this week. All right, so still not time to be buying these things. I think there's some interesting names out there. I just don't think uh, you want to be uh, you know, running out and <laughs> jumping on them. Let's put it that way. Let them settle down. You don't have to be the first one. Okay. Uh, that's, that's always been my, my thought process, but somebody asked me about the, uh, the Bitcoin. And I just, I just noticed that a lot of them, uh, um, uh, had buy signals on their point and figure charts. That's all I'll say, you know? So, so anyway, we always talk about the bullish percent on this show and we do this. It's a risk monitor and you got to pay close attention here because we're at 44.56 right now. All right. So this is a chart that goes from zero to a hundred. And when you get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. That is when you should be scared. Then we have below 30, which is the green zone when everybody's panicking. I had a lot of people sell when we were at five to seven. I don't, I've never seen five before in the bullish percent. I think it happened one other time in 1987 and I wasn't using it then. I should have been. And they sold and I told them, don't do that. That's, you know, I mean, they called me up. This, this, these weren't my clients. These were people, you know, that just called me up and said, I'm selling. I said, go ahead, but I think you're doing the wrong thing. Okay. And, uh, so we're at 44. Now, we will turn down. We'll reverse into a column of O's at 42. What does that mean? All right. Column of X's tells me that we have the offensive team on the field. That's where we are right now. A column of O's brings the defensive team on. And then, you know, look, you don't have to sell everything because you go into a column of O's. You just got to watch a little bit closer. Make sure you're you're on on board. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to match the fundamentals with the technicals and the insiders. And if we get to all those threes together, we're in pretty good shape usually. So we're at 44. We have 2% before we go down. Now, the over-the-counter index is still in the column of O's due to the, the banks, all right? Uh, it's at 32. It won't reverse back up into a column of X's till 36. And the world index is, uh, is at 40, is at the column of X's, by the way, mostly because of Europe. And uh, won't, uh, it's at 41% right now and, and won't, you know, uh, go into a column of O's till it hits 36. So, all right. <clears throat> now, one of the things I noticed is that, uh, uh, you know, we always talk about the generals versus the soldiers. And so if you, if you, I always refer to that for a, the performance of a cap weighted index or a capitalization weighted index versus an equal weight index. And oftentimes, uh, you know, the S&P 500 equal weight and the S&P 500, uh, 500 uh, 
so far in 20, we have, uh, 2023, we've noted that better performance out of the large cap stocks, primarily the cap weighted indices. So what we've seen, by the way, is that the chart has maintained a long-term buy signal uh, on the cap weighted versus the SPXE, which is the equal weight. So right now, and I think it's because of the regional banks, you you have a situation where you're uh, you're better off being in the bigger names. Okay, I know I own a lot of bigger names. Some of my smaller names got beat up, and they got beat up in a hurry. But they're good companies long term, so I'm not too worried about them. All right. So if uh, you're looking at the equal weights, what I noticed is the healthcare has had shown great improvement, and I've said this for some time now, but you're really starting to see it now, and I'm starting to see some of the. Uh, well, you know, they, they've gained a couple spots, and they're right below being favored, all right? But it still goes basic materials, although they've beat some of these basic material companies up lately, and they've lost almost uh, uh, 20 uh, votes. Uh, technology, industrials, consumer non-cyclical, which is staples, and consumer cyclicals. Uh, and then it goes healthcare. all right? So Real estate's dead last, and communication services, remember, was uh, had a big move. It was at 29. It's at 81 right now. That's the metaverses and those type of things, but they're still unfavored. So I, I just think health weight, uh, healthcare is, and financials, uh, financials are weakening. Healthcare is improving. So you've got to gotta watch what you own in the uh, financials area, um, and, and we'll just leave it at that. You know, Europe... Europe being very interesting, and uh, I think it will continue to be interesting for some time. And uh, I think there's a, a good opportunity going forward. Uh, China is right where it's, it's at support, and I'm looking at two different Chinese ETFs. Uh, so you've you got to be watching your Chinese stocks. They're above their trend line, the uptrend line, but they are in a situation where you have to be being careful a little bit more. Uh, and people keep asking me about, you know, what, what would you buy in the uh, uh, fixed income area? I still think floating rates still look pretty good on the charts. Uh, I like the preferreds, our best idea preferreds. Boy, some of those have been really been doing well. Uh, and I think they'll, I think that's a really good idea to go to right now. Um, and also taxable munis and single state munis uh, look, you know, like they're pretty, pretty good shape. Now, uh, oil. Is on a positive trends on a buy signal, but it's you know it's got a hold here, and I the 200 day moving average is at 82.80, uh, and uh, so you got to break above that. Uh, I, I think you have to hold 75. So leave it at that. And I, I talked about gold and uh, gold and silver. You know they're both going sideways, they're bottoming, but they're not breaking out. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, and well. I, I guess, uh, you know, if I looked at copper, copper's holding, it's spacing, it's not going anywhere right at the moment. You'd like to see copper break out. Uh, that would be very a very positive scenario, okay? So uh, I'll just leave it at that. The de- defensive group, it continues to gain traction over the past few months. I mean, Pepsi went crazy on the earnings, so did Procter & Gamble. Uh, technologies pull back. It looks to be nearing support, and then and then Meta took off, and so did Microsoft. So uh, the bigger names, you know, the Fang names, are starting to to do uh, better. Equal weight healthcare closed 
at the highest level in a year a week ago Monday. How about that, huh? So what we're seeing is some of the, uh, we're not only seeing biotechnology move, but we're also seeing a lot of the uh, medical product business or the, uh, you know, uh, th- that seems to be picking up. And uh, there's been quite a few names in that area that have that look pretty good. Even some names that I didn't even really like that much that are starting to, uh, to look even better than I, I thought they would. Uh, so we, we do have the, the a lot of the uh, defensive, you know, healthcare tends to be defensive. The staples are all doing well. Utilities were doing well, and and I noticed a couple like Duke, you know, that lead the way usually. By the way, Duke and a couple other names uh, showed up on my charts a couple days and then went away. <laughs> so usually you like to see that happen two or three times before you get. Uh, you know, go crazy on something and say, "Hey, you know, I gotta, I gotta be in that. I gotta be in that." And uh, um, uh, a lot of people don't agree with me on that, but uh, you know, I, I don't have to be the first one in. Especially with your money, I prefer to be, you know, be smart about it and say, "Hey, you know, uh, uh, what what do we do from here?" You know, so uh, sometimes being patient is important. As a matter of fact, I asked Warren Buffett one time, "What's the greatest?" attribute you can have in investing and he said patience okay so patience is very very important going forward and i think it's going to continue that way for a pretty long time (laughs) uh but the medical devices breakout should give healthcare a further boost i think so uh now one of the things that i didn't like this week was semiconductors uh some of them showed some weakness and if I, I there's two or three different ETFs in that field where a couple look really good or look okay, and a couple have broken down. So it's I think it's really important. Uh, you know, I, look, there's a thing called uh, uh, well, there's a trading ban scenario, a Bollinger band. Where a couple have broken the bottom Bollinger Band, where a couple have are at the the base and are starting to turn up. So it it really depends on which stock you're in and and semiconductors. And I think most of the technology money has gone to AI, artificial intelligence. So by the way, the time frame, uh, if you look, you know, uh, at the Demarc indicator. If you don't know who Demarc is, you should. He's very very good at what he. Tom Demarc's a very smart guy, but. He thinks there's going to be like a bullish move after a, a slight pullback. And uh, remember, I said I thought there'd be a big move one direction or the other. And uh, I still think that's going to be the case. All right. So um, we'll have to see what happens going forward. But uh, if, if we break that 4,200, I think it would be a very positive development for the end of the year. Big time development. So sometimes you take a couple steps back to get a running jump, if you know what I mean. And. I think we're we're kind of at that spot, and uh, uh, we'll just leave it at that. We'll we'll go forward uh, from here. But um, we, we hit resistance on the Treasury yields, and we fell back. So that's probably a good sign. You know, if interest rates come back, uh, I think the, the Fed will have more and more pressure on it to lower rates, not raise them, all right, especially with the third bank being in trouble. Uh, you know, First Republic... Uh, is teetering, shall we say, at this point. So, um, you know, there, there, look, there's a lot of good regional banks with really good balance sheets. What these guys did was they went long 
the First Republic went long in the municipal bond market. And municipal bonds notoriously are not the most liquid of all the bond markets. So they're the type of things that when you buy them, you put them away, okay? Uh, and that's that's what's important here. But what they did was they bet on the fact that the Fed would start to lower rates, and that they haven't. So they got beat up. That's the same thing Silicon Valley Group did and Signature Bank did. So, um, you know, they weren't using their heads is what it comes down to. So we'll just leave it at that. Now, if the, the, the SOX index breaks down, that could bring some weakness to technology. Now, there's been a couple of, you know, SOX is not one of them. Uh, uh, it's, it hasn't broken down as far as I'm concerned. I know, I know uh, Mark Newton over at Fundstrat thinks that it's very close to it. But if if you do get a bounce off this, it would be very very positive, I think, um, going forward. But it it could lead to a uh, some more weakness in technology. The money's flowing into AI. AI could be one of the big big opportunities. Now, if you've been listening to the show, I at, at 2003 I said that the internet's just getting started, and then I talked about the cloud. Okay. And no one ever heard of the cloud. As a matter of fact, that people call and said, you're out of your mind. There's no such thing as the cloud. 2003, we bought VMware in the $20 range, and it's it's a buck forty now, but we sold it eight years ago. We bought other things, too, in the cloud, all right? So the cloud was one of the big things that ever happened. It was part of the Internet. Now, what I think is going to happen is this AI is going to be bigger than that. Now, the question is, will will Congress and you know, the regulators regulate it. We'll see what happens uh, going forward. But look, the Dow's up big today, our big guy this week, uh, and everybody thought that that wouldn't happen, all right? Uh, but look, on Thursday, we were up 520 plus percent. And, you know, remember, I said, you know, we'd have a big move one way or another. And that's the important part. So I think that, uh, you know, 4,200 on the S&P 500 will be important, very, very important. So uh, keep that in the back of your head. And, I, I, you know, people keep asking me, uh, you know, where do we go from here? Like I said, I think what's important is that you've got to keep paying attention to the four-year cycle. All right? That's simple. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with the insiders. Uh, stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Uh, by the way, WHK1420, down to local uh, podcast, down to Smart Investor Show. You can contact me and, and set up an appointment for your take a look at your portfolio. Stay tuned. I'm captivated. The secular crew sees more obstruction. Not only is the IRS not handling the Hunter Biden investigation properly, they are actually preventing criminal charges from being brought against Hunter Biden. And that people who have testified under oath before Congress, they have uh, not been truthful. Secular, weeknights at 6, right before Brandon Tatum at 7 on AM 1420. The Answer. Hugh Hewitt doesn't get surprised often. Last year, the Army hit only 75% of its recruiting target. What does this say about America? It says we have a national health crisis. 
77% of young Americans would be unfit to serve for health reasons. 77% because they're fat. It's just kind of stunning. The Hugh Hewitt Show, weekday mornings at 6, right before Bob Fratz at 9 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show, and this is where we talk about insiders. Why do we talk about insiders? Because they know their business better than we do. <laughs> it's that simple. And, you know, I've seen quite a few big buys uh, this week, and I thought it was very interesting. Uh, you know, first of all, uh, Enphase Energy, which just got beat up. It was 220. It's now 158. Uh, we had the uh, director, Thurman Rogers, who's a pretty smart guy. Uh, Buy $5.49 million with the stock. Uh, by the way, I want to say one of the things about insiders. They're usually early. Okay? Just remember that. And then the Howard Hughes Corporation. Now, this guy has been, uh, Pershing Square has been buying the stock for a long time. And, uh, you know, they're, they're down from 90. I think they're at 76, 77. And uh, they bought another 51,000, which is about $3.8 million, But they own 16 million shares. That's a lot. And then our friends at Red Mile bought some more Fate Therapeutics. Uh, they paid uh, $6 this time, six eighteen, And uh, they bought $1.5 million. Remember, they bought quite a bit of it last week. And, and then Lorenko uh, Gonclaves, who's the CEO of Cleveland Cliffs, bought another 100,000 shares, so $1.5 million worth of stock at 15 bucks. Now that's he's bought a lot of stock and uh, he's been right. Okay, and that's all I got to say. Uh, and then Stronghold Digital Marketing, which is a little dollar stock, we had the chief executive officer Greg Beard buy a million dollars worth at a buck. So uh, here we get a couple other ones. Uh, Texas Capital Bank shares. Remember that these buyers were around a couple weeks ago, and uh, this is Bob Stallings. He's a director. He bought. Uh, the class, there's two different classes. He bought both, uh, 16,000 shares of both, which is about $820,000 worth. And then uh, a, a couple days later, he bought a couple days, yeah, a couple days later, he bought $5,000 worth. So he bought a million dollars of each. Uh, so he's been around. Now, I, I forgot to mention, Percy Square bought twice. Uh, so they bought about $4.5 million worth of stock. Uh, also, U.S. Bank Corp. Uh, so these guys are taking uh, the opportunity uh, as their banks are down. You know, this is a $50 stock now, 32 and a half. Uh, the uh, director bought quite a bit of that. And then uh, Key Corp, uh, Vic Alexander, who's head of consumer banking, uh, he bought 100000 So a lot of small banks, uh, BCDM, Bank Corp, had another buy of about 10,000 shares. Now, these are smaller banks, I mean, smaller buys, but. They're stepping it up to the plate. We had a director at PNC buy some, and so we had quite a few uh, of these guys buying stock. Also, uh, you know, we had two buys that I thought were 
pretty significant uh, going forward. And that is, you know, uh, we had eight, nine bio, we had RA capital management, you know, they bought $40 million worth in on March 24th. They did buy some more this week. And then energy transfer partners, uh, you know, Kelsey Warren, who's the CEO, bought uh, back in February, bought $21.6 million worth, bought another 200, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, $130,000 worth. So you like to see them buy numerous times, right? That's that's a good thing. You uh, prefer to, uh, uh, you know, have them buy more than buy less. So, So I guess the question is, you know, what direction are we going? Can we make it to 4,200? And I've been thinking about that quite a bit over the last month or two. And I just thought, you know, I went back in history and, and every time we've gone sideways like this, where we hit a low and it was a high volume low. Okay. We, we hit a new low right after I said, you know, I thought we'd hit bottom on that Friday. Uh, I think it was a week later uh, or a week and a half. We had a big down day, and then the next day we gapped up four or five hundred bucks. So um, I think it's important uh, going forward that uh, you know you pay attention to that because if we haven't hit a new low, and we've had three banks fail, we've you know, and all the bad news. There's been all sorts of bad news going on. Maybe we're going to hold. You know, maybe it's time to get the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list to start buying. You know, dividends will hold the stocks up for a while. They haven't gone down now. They may go up. Now, I don't think you should be chasing stocks right at this point. You know, you want things coming back to you a little bit. That's what Marshfield does so so well. By the way, they're going to be in town May 10th. Uh, and I, I think I have three spots left or four spots left. So, you know, call my office. Uh, if you can't talk to me, talk to Kyle or leave a message for me. Uh, but, uh, the, the point is, is that's what they do the best. Okay. They buy, you know, people, I remember a guy left my, our Marshfield meeting five years ago. He said, those guys are crazy. They're buying Chipotle at two sixty five. Chipotle hit 2000 yesterday. Okay. They're dumb as foxes is what they are. So what I'd be doing right now, if I were you is a wealth plan and you know, figure out, hey, do I have enough money to retire? And if I do, where do we go from here? Okay. Second thing is, uh, I would be considering taking a look at the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list. And like I said, there's a lot of small cap stocks that are down just because they're small caps, just because they're in the Russell 2000 and there's 38% of the Russell 2000. I think it's 28%. I'm sorry. I might have misquoted. I can't remember writing this down to 28% of the Russell 2000 is regional banks. When they sell the ETF, they sell everything. And Russell does that. And a lot of stocks didn't deserve it. All right? So, why not Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the you know, week, call there. him toll That'd free. 888 223 7742. That's 888 223 7742. Or visit his website 
rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar. rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more Smart Investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Metaverse blew out on the upside. Financials managed to hold The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. WHK Cleveland, a service of Salem Media Group. Broadcasting from the Discount Drug Mart Studios. Proud to be celebrating over 50 years as your hometown pharmacy. That's really positive, right? Yields go down, PE ratios go up. Where pre-election seasonality remains quite bullish for April, and it's the best month perform a best performing month historically behind January, going back ninety years. And and then look, I think if you look at some of the cycle stuff, the bear market lows were made in October of twenty twenty two. And the spring weakness of twenty twenty three likely will not undercut that, I don't think. That's my opinion. And sentiment has diverged a little bit. Uh you know, uh the investors' intelligence and the fear and greed index got a little bit more bullish uh, because of the, you know, we got very bearish in February. So I do think, though, they're starting to back up. Okay. So the number of bulls is declining, the number of bears is increasing. And it happens every time we have a move down. But look, Thursday we had a big move up. Uh, you know, I, I think we had a big move in, in Amazon. Uh, Big numbers coming out of Amazon, good numbers coming out of Microsoft, good numbers coming out of Meta, but if they're bigger names, all right, the bigger names. So, look, if you'd like to have an appointment with us, go to WHK1420, local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show, and there's all sorts of contact me, email me. Let's get together, put a wealth plan together. Remember, I have two or three, maybe, I know, I have three seats left for Marshfield. Uh, these guys are one of the best deep value managers I've ever dealt with. Uh, they were up last year, six and a quarter percent after fees. They were up the year before in the 30% range. They do a good job. Okay. Uh, they tend to use cash as an asset class, which I like a lot. And uh, this year they're up, by the way, uh, four or 5%. And uh, they'll be in town May 10th uh, in the Westlake area. So uh, I only have two or three more seats. First come, first serve. We'll leave it at that. Uh, in the meantime, have yourself a great weekend. And uh, remember, to buy low, sell high. This is Tim Hayes and the Smart Investor Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.